0: Hello, and welcome to the Psych Legal Pop podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about popular culture through the lens of an attorney and a therapist. I'm Brooke Brigham. I'm the attorney. And I'm Tess Brigham. I'm the therapist. So today we're going to be talking about a new Netflix documentary. um, And it's called American Manhunt, the Boston Marathon Bombing. Yes. That's the right title. You are correct. You are so, correct. Yeah. So this is the 10-year anniversary of the Boston Marathon bombing. Yes. And, um, yeah, so, you know, this was a great documentary. It, it was. was. It very, was very good. Very, very well, well done. done. And, you know, I had forgotten so many things about it.
1: Um, and, and there was- were a lot of things that I... I didn't remember correctly that I, I, I think I thought it was shorter time. I think in my mind, I thought it all happened in a two to three day span. I didn't realize oh, see, that. See, I was, thought it was a longer time period. Oh, I, I, I thought was surprised it was a days. that it
0: was, what was it, five days?
1: Five or six days. Yeah. Like it was a, almost it, the, the marathon was a Monday and I think it all ended on a s- Saturday or, okay. or it, late Friday into Saturday. I mean, yeah. I have it here. So but, I was,
0: I was also, I was watching it with my daughter, who's 20, mm-hmm. who uh, doesn't have any pendant recollection of it, you know, from the time, but she now knows about it because she actually knows someone who was a victim. Oh, wow. Who was um, standing right next to the first bomb that went off. Wow. There were some children. He was a child at the time. huh mm-hmm. There were some children there. One of the children was Martin Richards, who was killed. Mm -hmm. Um, So she learned about it that way. Wow. From um, talking to him about it. So she was very curious Mm -hmm. about it. And, um, you know, I had to answer a lot of questions about global politics Mm. and, you know, all these, you know, it was (laughs) it was actually
1: it was a very it was a
0: learning experience, you know. Yes.
1: Well, it's very I mean, the whole story is very layered. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's very, very layered uh, um, in a lot of ways. The wh- ha- her friend that she met, um, how was that person injured? Um, I mean, he had injuries. He didn't lose any,
0: you know, limbs or anything, but he mm-hmm. had extensive injuries to his legs and he was, um, you know, hospitalized there in Boston for quite a while before um, he and his family could come back to California. Wow. His his mother was running in the marathon.
1: Oh, wow. Actually, I think both
0: his parents were running in the marathon. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. So I don't know who was watching the kids, but um, yeah, very, very crazy. Um, yeah. You know.
1: Well, I was excited that we were doing this and I was really excited because um, I have a very, uh, you know, I went to Boston University. And mm-hmm. so I and the other thing about the marathon is it happens on Monday. And it's also Patriots Day. And they describe this at the beginning of the uh, documentary. And so Patriots Day is this very weird holiday that's only in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. So Everybody nobody's in class no one's in school so it was a big deal and for the college students it was a day of if my parents are listening put put your earphones on <laughs> headphone like put your earmuffs on because it was like a day of heavy drinking basically it was like marathon one day you get up early Yeah. anybody that had an apartment along calm avenue so they show you the route so it starts off um way out in, um, sort of off in Hopkinton and it goes through Framingham and Natick and Newton and it ends up in Boston. It ends up on Calm Avenue down near Fenway Park, Mm -hmm. which is one end of where BU was. Mm -hmm. And so anybody that had an apartment along Calm Ave in that area would have a party. So we would all get up early, early for us, like, nine or 10, we would get up early and we would, you know, day drink all day long, bloody Mary's into the, into the day. Mm -hmm. And you would go out and cheer for the runners. And it was marathon Monday. And it was like, obviously lots of fun. And it was just, it was part of the culture and it was part of the day. And it was just this thing that you did every single year. And, you know, there was like, One guy every year that would like run, he would run the final mile and then he would show up with that, that, you know, blanket, that space blanket, Mm -hmm. you know, just a bunch of idiot college students, (laughs) (laughs) you know, thrilled, but it was this, it was this local, it was this weird local holiday, this thing that we did every year. And, um, and so it was, and the other part of it too, and we meet the superintendent of the boston police department billy evans Mm -hmm. um and he was a runner that year um in the marathon and he talks about it and he also the other part of this too that's really important is he talks about it where it's spring and i think the the other part of it is is that in on the east coast the winters are long Mm -hmm. they are very very long so the other thing is is that it's very exciting when spring finally comes yeah so it's this combination of The winter is over, spring is here, the marathon's here, and it's joyous. And we're running in Fenway, you know, Mm -hmm. So just to set the scene of what this Mm -hmm. is like and how special it is, Mm -hmm. that's what it's, you know, that's what the marathon is. And that's what it represents for the people of Boston and that whole area of New England.
0: Yeah. Interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, and in the beginning, um, this first episode is called White Hat, Black Hat. And um, we just, we are really meeting a lot of people. We meet Kevin McWaters. He's one of the runners. We meet Karen McWaters. She was there with her friend, Crystal. They were going to watch Kevin, who was her boyfriend at the time. Um, so they were at the finish line. Um, we meet an EMT driver. I didn't get her name. Um, but you know, they're sort of setting the scene of what it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, um, Billy Evans says, you know, I finished the marathon in three hours and 35 minutes and I was heading home, you know, I was, (laughs) I was done he was good because Brooke and I ran. (laughs) (laughs) Do we want to tell people about our, well, we attempted to
0: do a full marathon and then said ourselves, what the hell are we doing? Yes. So we, and so we scaled back. And we did the half marathon, and I don't remember our time. But
1: I feel like it was in three hours and thirty. Minutes it was a half marathon. I think it was more like four or five hours. No, I think we did it. No, I think we did it in three and a half hours, and I think mm-hmm. people thought that was good because I think we were still signed up for the full marathon. Yeah, were like impressed by. They're our like, time. "You were great," and it's <laughs> like, "Well,
0: yeah." Oh, okay. I just uh, so whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's no joke. So, no joke. um. And then, you know, what I thought was really interesting about what they, the, what the documentary did was they didn't tell us anything. It was almost like they, they had the bombs go off without even telling us, like the mm-hmm. bombs are going to go off now. It was almost like, boom. And then a few minutes later, boom, you mm-hmm. know, almost reenacting, like, this is what it was like if you were there. Right. You know, what it was like for yeah, these Yeah, no warning. Yeah. No warning. Yeah. Just incredibly shocking like what why is this happening and then you and then you just hear the silence and the screams and horror of like what 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 just happened here um and uh and then and then we meet Ed Davis he's the police commissioner and we also meet Philip Martin who's a reporter and um and yeah just we we start meeting all these people. You know, Rick DeLaurier, who's the special agent in charge, he's there to assess what's happening. He assesses things in great detail to get the best resolution. He arrived about two hours after they secured the crime scene. We meet Carmen Ortiz, that she's the U.S. attorney. Um, And they just start, you know, they have to start figuring out what's going on. And they just... (laughs) What's happening? The
0: city just became flooded, with, um, well, first let me say that by that time, um, in 2013, you know we had had enough experience after 9/11, and after other terrorist attacks in other countries and such. I mean, I think pretty much everyone knew this is terrorism, mm-hmm. um, and also because it's Boston and Patriots Day, and it's very American. This is an American themed kind of thing, mm-hmm. so people knew pretty quickly this is probably. And the the city was just flooded with police, police came from all over oh, the yeah. place, from all over um, Massachusetts. Um, they're flooded with FBI agents, you know, and then there was, there wa- wasn't really much of a power struggle between the local, the Boston police and the, um, and the feds. It, it, pretty much the Boston police conceded, you know, control over the investigation and everything to the feds. Mm-hmm. But, what was the guy's name with the white hair, the big guy?
1: Was that is that Ed Davis? The, the commissioner? The police commissioner? The police commissioner Ed Davis. the
0: police commissioner was the guy who ran in the marathon. The other guy, the real big No, no, no. Guy. Billy
1: Evans was the marathon runner. The right. kind of heavy set guy. Yeah. Ed Davis. Ed Davis, yeah. right. Okay, so yeah. So
0: Ed Davis was still kind of they would consult. And he was, he still kind of wanted to be sort mm-hmm. of in yeah. charge yeah. or whatever. But yeah, it was, it was amazing to me, the precision that, you know, they, they came in and immediately with the, the FBI mm-hmm. came in and immediately like secured the crime scene and started collecting evidence. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they put out a plea to the public. They said, you know, if anyone has any camera footage and yeah. also, you know, the network TVs there. So the The volume of camera footage they had between media, uh, just people who were there, mm-hmm. and all of the store security, because this is a yeah. street that's lined with restaurants and businesses. Yes.
1: Every store has a closed circuit, you know, TV yeah. thing, recording. I and mean, this is the different, right? This is the post 9-11, because everyone now, we have so many cameras everywhere and right with cell phones, right? Right. Cell phones
0: yeah. are, you know, much more proliferated. So they, yeah, so they had so much footage to go through. So, mm-hmm. you know, these FBI agents are just doing nothing for hours on end day after day, but looking through all the footage that they've received and, mm-hmm. um, and that's ultimately how they found the bombers, you know, mm-hmm. they had foot, they pieced together footage, uh, showing them showing up at the marathon. They're, they're obviously together. They're walking Not next to each other, but close enough to each other that's obviously they're together. They both have the backpacks on. And Mm -hmm. um, then they they see them just going to the points and literally dropping
1: off the bags. Yeah. Just putting them on the sidewalk. So they actually, I mean, but the thing is, there are no, they, they have no suspects after day one. And the thing, the other thing is they don't want to call it a terrorist attack because they don't know. They don't really know if it's a terrorist attack. They don't want to name it that. And if there's still a lot of, even after day one, there's a lot of confusion. You know, they they're, the documentary is going back and forth between um, what the police are going on and the story of Kevin and Ke- uh, Karen. Mm-hmm. You know, Kevin got a cramp and probably saved his life, maybe, because Kevin got a cramp. He... Um, lost where crystal and karen are karen's in the hospital um they're you know everyone's going through all of this um footage obama Obama comes to town (laughs) well that i think was later but like yeah in the initial day
0: or two did they um like they locked the city
1: down yes they locked this they locked yeah they locked the city down I'm going in order of my notes. So they locked the city down. Um, There was a shelter in place because they hadn't apprehended any suspects. And yes, and they and and they they wanted to lock. They needed to lock. Yes, they locked down the crime scene, that area, and they locked all of that down. And they they basically were just going through footage and footage and footage. And it really was it just I think it was just one guy just staring at this one photo of um this restaurant this bar and they caught where the bomb went off where the bomb went off and they happened to catch just this some backpack that they saw and then they got the picture on the other side and then they got the viewpoint of that and then they were able to backtrack it and then they went back and said okay who's who's moving along and who, you know what I mean? It was just, yeah. They were um, able to, yeah. Like work backwards from
0: when there's just that random backpack sitting there, mm -hmm. they they work backwards and they find when the brothers first arrived on the scene, they come around the corner, you know, they go to their, where they're going to drop off their backpacks and they see them drop off their backpacks and then they immediately hightail it out there. Yeah. Out of there. And, you know, while everyone else is, um, you know, uh, it was funny cause like the bomb goes off. And of course, everybody looks in the direction of the bomb, but the bombers don't, they have yeah. no reaction. They just keep looking straight ahead and just keep walking. Yeah. So well, I don't know how, I wonder how many, I don't know how many people they had working on that, but, but that didn't take that long. I mean, it was
1: because um, it day two or day three yeah well they throughout it they give this sort of hour one hour two hour mm-hmm. three I wasn't writing down like where we are in the hours but it, that I feel like that was by the second day mm-hmm. they had and they started to call them white hat black hat you know there was a, one was in a white hat the other one was in a black hat and that's how they started to um get that and they had actually of the of the kid in the white hat, they had a pretty good side yeah, view of yeah. him, like pretty <clears throat> clear. Well, and Black and, Hat was wearing
0: sunglasses mm, that and, was, his, yeah. and his hat was forward. So between the bill of the hat and the sunglasses, it was hard to make out his face. But White Hat had his hat turned around no sunglasses Mm -hmm. so you could really see his face
1: yeah very very well and then you know the the filmmakers brought in they did a little bit of a rewind and we kind of went back to 9-11 and Mm -hmm. you know what's been going on in the world since 9-11 and we meet some other people one guy from a mosque the um and um another college student who happens to then know who the bombers are and just talking about how the world has changed you know mm-hmm. what this has happened to people and and muslims and the the sentiment the profile and racial profiling racial, yes uh, and how we
0: the muslims is assumed to be terrorists mm-hmm. you know if there's a terrorist exactly. act it's assumed to be
1: Yes. So what they were then able to do once they were able to identify white hat, black hat, they were then able to take all of this footage and backtrack, like follow them back in time and create the timeline and to see like where they were going you know where did they originate from and then where were they going after the bombings well and after the bombings they went into like a convenience store yeah they to went, to Whole, a, to, they went to Whole Foods or, to oh, get a snack or Whole
0: Foods yeah, yeah to and get, then a convenience store I mean they they acted like nothing
1: had happened mm-hmm. I mean yeah it's really weird um but the problem that they ran into was that they, they didn't the, number they didn't know who they were and they didn't know what their motivations were. Mm-hmm. And so there was a lot of fear around, okay, so are you part of a or- larger organization? Right. Is it just the two of you? Or are you right. part of this bigger network? Do Are the you planning more attacks? Is this just the beginning? Mm-hmm. Is this like, who are you and what's gonna happen? And this is where there was a big um, debate between oh, yeah. the pl- police commissioner, Ed. Ed Davis. Ed Davis, and carmen the prosecutor and um who's it, Delo- what's his name one of the guys who's uh, in charge Rick of the investigation Delorier. yeah you know should we release the photos do we release the photo- photos to the public and ask you know do do, do you, you know, know these, these people? people yeah and so the police commissioner wanted to everybody else said no so they didn't at this time they decided not to um and this is then when obama comes to town
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and um, and then we get now it's the fourth day, and they learn that one of the news outlets are going to leak the photos. Mm-hmm. So this I feel like is a little suspicious. I was a little like, how did suddenly now this news outlet get photos? Like, did someone inside? One yeah, of these, somebody you know, had to leak leak some... the photos. Like, hey, uh, hey, I'm going to leak these photos because I want
0: to get this thing moving. They could have paid. They could have had. Yeah, someone could have, um,
1: on the inside, you know, gotten yeah. paid. You know? Yeah, that's gotten what paid. I was wondering. Yeah. So they decided, okay, we got to stay ahead of the story. So we're going to release the photo. And so they hold a big press conference and you know, release the photos and say, okay, these are the Boston Bombers. You know, who are they? We need to identify them. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. And so they are... We learn and that's the end of episode one. Yeah. Okay. So,
0: um, yeah, so the, and I don't, I don't, I don't know why I'm obsessed with this Uh shelter shelter in place thing, but I don't know how long that lasted, but I think at a certain point, Obama called again and and said, you can't uh, keep a major city, you know, like on lockdown, you gotta lift this, yeah well that was
1: all of that happened see that the shelter this show that part of the sheltering place that happened during that manhunt
0: for the kid no it was before it was mm-hmm. it was pretty
1: early no because... that was during the manhunt
0: i'm mean, gonna have to look at my notes okay but... okay it's not a big deal forget it okay
1: all right let's move on <laughs> to part two it's really not so episode two this is uh so now they're showing us 20 minutes after the bombings. And, you know, I think they wanted to show us this because we see this is 20 minutes after the bombings and we see White Hat, which is now, oh, is the younger brother of the two going into a, um, into Whole Foods and buying milk. Mm-hmm. And this is what he's doing and he leaves. This is, you know, um, and the, everyone's talking about how, putting their photos out is very risky because it's forcing their hand, you know, Mm -hmm. you don't know what they're going to do. And, and next we learn about how a police officer is killed in Cambridge, a campus police officer in MIT. And it looks like at first, it looks like a robbery gone wrong. And that is, where Cambridge is a very, you know, Cambridge is where Harvard is, MIT. Mm-hmm. It's a very wealthy, nice place to live. There aren't a lot of murders there. And so for a campus police officer to be um, killed, is very odd. And then we meet Danny, Men, who's a tech entrepreneur. And he tells us all about how he gets this new car, his Mercedes, he's super excited. He gets a text and you know what Danny does? He pulls over to the side of the road to read <laughs> so that. Responsible, text, like a responsible person, and it bites him in the ass. <laughs> oh, if Danny, if Danny had just broken the law, it would be a very different situation. But he yeah. pulls over, and unbeknownst to him, um, it's the white hat, black hat. They pull, oh, they pull behind him, and I guess it must be. It must be, I think it's, is it, must be Black Hat that essentially gets, pulls, gets out of the car. He, he asked him to roll down his window
0: like he's going to, mm-hmm. and then, you know, he, he keeps asking him to roll it down more, roll it down more. Another thing, this, this guy, Danny, maybe not too street smart.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, he's, a, he's an immigrant from China. Yeah, came, yeah. Yeah. He came here for the American dream and he's so <laughs> excited about his new Mercedes. Yeah. He, you know, but, uh, yeah. So,
0: they basically carjack him, you know, mm-hmm. they they uh the both the brothers get into the car and tell him to start driving. And he's just like, you know, please don't kill me. Yeah. <laughs> you can take my car. Um and I'm not quite sure what they their intentions were for well, him. I but think,
1: I think that they wanted I think they well, wanted oh, so the car. they went so they went to the cop because he needed another gun. Right. Oh,
0: and I when they, they and, and going back to the cop, didn't they sus- the police suspect when they found the um the campus policeman dead, didn't they suspect
1: it was related to the bombers somehow or no? I don't I I don't think they had put that together yet. Okay. Um no. I think that they uh, no, I don't think they put that together. Uh, I don't know what they were thinking. I mean, I think they were just kind of like I don't think they had much of a plan, but it was obviously like you said, because Cambridge is, it's not a place where people
0: get yeah. murdered ever. Yeah. And, and, and it was pretty brutal. And I, yeah, it was like, there was some clue. I have a recollection that there was some, they were sort of clued in that maybe this had something to do with it, but I don't remember. But anyway, yeah. I think they wanted this guy, Danny's car. Cause obviously he didn't have a gun.
1: Yeah. And so they, they were driving around and one was in the car with Danny and the other one was in the other car, like following along. So I don't know what the plan was there. And Danny was pretty smart. He basically told them, like, he asked them, like, are you going to kill me? They said, no, I'm going to just take you somewhere and drop you off. But Danny was like, I don't know if I'm going to through this. And then Danny was smart enough to say, well, I only have a quarter tank of gas, so we should stop at the gas station. And they find a gas station and then the other guy puts his gun down and Danny sees his moment and is like, this is now or never. And Mm -hmm. he runs out of the car, runs across the street. You see the videotape of Danny getting across and being like, these people are going to kill me. Yeah. Running for his life. Yeah. Running for his life. So we finally, um, you know, we finally have, uh, so he's out of the car and, um, he runs into the gas
0: station, uh, you know, yeah. store where, yes. where you pay for your gas and, and tells the guy, you know, the guy in there to mm-hmm. call the and police. We sh- and, he does. and we hear the
1: 911 call. And because this was a new car and Danny was super excited about it. He said, I have a tracking system in my car. Cause these guys immediately yeah. take off. And he'd memorized I, the numbers. Yes. he had. <laughs> Thank God for Danny. Let, Danny was so responsible I know side texting no texting and driving and memorized his tracking system yeah. and then we meet um two guys that I respected at first and then thought who are these people Jeff P- Puglazi Sergeant Jeff Puglazi and on mcclellan they are part of the watertown police department oh god i mean i was just like who are you two people so they get this ball that is a reported carjacking and maybe armed right they thought it was a couple of kids yeah so they get this call that there's this mercedes this is about friday night there's gunfire in the streets so what do these two guys do? Watertown is a tiny little town, very residential. They, fu- they see the Mercedes going down the street. And, um, I don't know who started shooting first, but these two people, these, these, these police officers in the middle of this very residential street full of families uh-huh. start, there's a gun. There is a violent shootout. Right. With the two brothers. And and also, my you... They these don't people.
0: even they don't even know yeah. that these are the bombing suspects. That's yes. the thing. These these Watertown police people. This this was so infuriating to me. They they think this is just a run of the mill carjacking. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, it'd be one thing if they were like, "Hey, the Boston bombers are in this car," you know. Go- no, over a over a simple carjacking, they risked so many people's lives because mm-hmm. they spot the car and then. I don't know who started firing first, if it was the brothers or the police. I think that
1: I'm sure, I, listen, I'm sure the brothers started firing. And I think that he got, I'm sure the brothers started firing first, but just the wild firing. Oh, and, just and then, random firing and of I think that one rounds. of the brothers was like throwing pipe bombs. Yes. It was just like the response was just yeah. like, Jesus Christ. It, it did not, it was out of control.
0: It didn't match. You know, like a
1: war. It became a war zone. Yeah. Everybody along the street was right. just like,
0: "What is going?" People on? People are calling nine one one left and right, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, we're aware of it. We're aware of it." And they have this huge, huge shootout, and and then the brothers get away, and then the next, no,
1: no, no, the brothers don't. No, no, no. So, so one of the guys cuts around. <laughs> he cuts around. He fi- one of them smartens up. So he's like. I flanked him and I went around the side and he 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 goes around and he starts shooting at the older brother and 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 like literally starts shooting at him and he shoots him eight times and somehow doesn't get him down. And then the brother's gun gets jammed and they are trying to take the bro- the older brother down. They're trying mm-hmm. to take him down. And, and this still, guy's been shot multiple, multiple, multiple times. Multiple times. And he's still times. walking. He's still I mean, walking. He's, he's walking very strangely, but he is walking. And he's approaching them. This is yeah. the part I don't understand. So, the, so you know there's two guys. So you have one guy approaching you. So both of them kind of like lunge. They're trying to put the cuffs on this one guy. So they're not paying attention to the second guy at all. They're they're trying to put the... Gu- and he's like throwing his gun at him. Mm-hmm. They're trying to do that. They're not paying attention to the second guy. So in the midst of all of this, the second guy, the white hat, gets into the Mercedes, drives mm. over and, and the two cops get out of the way. He drives over his brother and rips him, drags open, him, drags yeah. him, rips him apart and goes and gets and gets away. Yeah. I mean, these police officers, you're just like, what the what? And apparently they, I don't, I don't know if I wrote down how many, how many, I mean, they show you all of the bullet holes. Yeah. The next of, day, they the almost daylight, killed a child. Yeah.
0: In the daylight, they go and they show just probably a fraction of what there really was. Bullets pierced through the walls of these homes. Mm-hmm. And it's a goddamn miracle that nobody was killed in this shootout. And, you know, bullets, yeah, a bullet almost killed a baby. It came within inches of killing this baby. I mean, it was so irresponsible. And that one guy, like the real fair-skinned guy, I don't know his name, but he he's just laughing about it. Yeah, that was John. Yeah. He's just cackling about yeah. it. Like he, <laughs> he's smiling and laughing like that. He's like, man, you know, that was probably the most fun he's ever had as a police officer. You know, he's, <laughs> normally nothing happens in Watertown. And
1: then like, yeah. all of a sudden but, s- something happens and they lose their minds. But the whole thing was so crazy. It's just like, but there's two of you. You just had the shootout. You know there's two guys. Like mm-hmm. you don't have some a protocol for like, okay, this guy I know he's a bit of a monster, and you got to get the cuffs on him. But you've got a second person over here. Right. Doesn't one of you watch him or put a gun right. on him or something? Like there's no protocol for oh. this. This is crazy. It was. It was really. It a was mess. insane. Now so, by this at this point they still don't know these guys. No, they identity. don't because. Right. Okay. Because, so they finally, they get the other guy who's a mangled mess, Black yeah. Hat. They get they his g- fingerprints, right? They get his fingerprints, and they find that he is, is it Tamer... Tam- Tamerlin Tamerlin Chidnares. Cer- Sernayev Cernayev. And he's a Chechen national. He lives in Cambridge, and he'd been living here for many years. And it turned out that the FBI knew this guy because he was looked at in the past... He was what they call a guardian lead, lowest level, which means that he is an un, he was they had an uncorroborated single source information lead that came in, which means mm-hmm. something some sort of lead came in. I guess he said jihad on a phone call once yeah. they, you know, they brought him in. They asked him some questions. He didn't tick any boxes. So they said bye. And that was it. And then they let him go.
0: Something that I'm sure was not allowed prior to 9-11. And obviously they fingerprinted him. What do you mean not allowed prior? Well, like bringing him in? Yeah. Oh. And fingerprinting him. Oh. You know know what I mean? Like, because I I highly doubt that prior to 9-11, you could have done that. You can't do that with a regular person, you know, Mm -hmm. unless you suspect them of terrorism. You, You can't do that. You have to, you know, you
1: have to arrest them first. But anyway. Yeah. And then we meet David Filipov, Filipov. He's a Boston Globe reporter and one of my favorite people in this. Oh, I love him. And he talks about Chechnya in the nineteen late 1990s. The, you know, they were a persecuted country. Russia was trying to, like, infiltrate them. And well, so they were, they were a Russian republic. And, yeah, a lot of the
0: Russian republics, you know, tried to break away and... um yeah Chechnya it has a long, long, long history, not just you know with Putin, but even long history of trying to break free
1: from of Russia. Russia, Russia and the Soviet mm-hmm. Union, yeah. And so um, the U.S would give uh, Chechenian's um, refugee status. Mm-hmm. And so Tamerlin's family came to the US and they came to Boston. and Tamerlin was a bo- he came here as a teen and he was a boxer. And we meet John Allen, who was Tamerlan's trainer. And he said that um, Tamerlan was a very talented boxer, you know, that his father was his trainer before. His dad was very intense. And that he was, um, you know, he was going for the Olympics, that he was really, really talented. Um, that, uh, But they later found out that he couldn't go to the Olympics because he wasn't a U.S. citizen. And this, I think was sort of the beginning of maybe Tamerlan's disillusionment. He felt like it was rigged because I'm a Muslim. Um, And uh, he was starting to use that as an excuse that everyone was against Muslims and justify where his life was going.
0: Well, it's kind of (laughs) true. I I, I also wondered if the uh, Olympic thing, again, I wonder prior to 9-11, that was the rule. Hmm, that's a good you know, question i don't because, know because we're such a n- nation of immigrants i find it mm-hmm. hard to believe that you know no um yeah no no uh, on u.s u.s uh, born person has ever represented the united states in the olympics that's a darn good question i even think about that yeah i'll have to look that up later but but yeah hmm. and you know he It Life was difficult. You know, they talked about how, you know, they thought that America was, you know, they're going to get the American dream and, Mm and, you know, and they got to America and things, you know, they're this family of, I don't know, there was like four kids and...
1: Yeah, mom and dad living in a little apartment. Yeah, but they kept alluding to it. They never sort of... I mean, I know that we don't know a lot because no one was really in the family talking, but they kept talking about like the American dream, the American dream, the American dream. And then we never really heard much like about like specifically what was it? Was it the fact that you were in this tiny apartment that he wasn't able to... Um, discrimination the discrimination I mean, was it was it just all of that or was it yeah because I, think, I I got the sense from the trainer the trainer did say hold I mean okay yes you you, you know okay you can't go to the Olympics you know and they're discrimina you know okay they're racist they're discriminating against you but the trainer did say well you could go professional and he's saying no 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 I can't I mean I don't know I mean if playing devil's Advocate here I mean he could make other choices like could he have made other choices could he have made a career out of this i mean true but you just got to think about the time
0: in which they grew up and like their friend who was interviewed the young man yeah. he spoke to this okay this is 2013 it's been um it's been 12 years since 9-11 mm-hmm. so he's grown up the younger brother um zokar he's basically his entire life he's grown up post 9-11 mm-hmm. and um tamerlan same thing like um it has an impact. Yeah. You know, and they're living in a major city. And even though they're living in a major city, I mean, that's the thing. It's just, it was, was, and still is so hard for Muslim people.
1: Yes. Post 9-11. So I, and I absolutely agree with that. I guess I just wonder, right. And I think some of it is, and this is always this question, right? Why one person can say, this is unfair, this Mm -hmm. sucks, but I have other options or I can, you know, I can figure this out versus the other person who says, this is unfair and I'm going to, you know, and I'm going to make the best, you know, and I, a few people, I'm going to make a bomb and I'm going to stick it here. Right? Like, do do you ever watch the show, Rami? Mm, No. There's a show. It's on Hulu called Rami. It's Rami Malik, the comedian. Oh, uh huh. And um, it's a great show. It's all about his life, and he is Muslim, and his family's from. Are they from Egypt. No, they're from. Are they from Egypt? Or are they from? Anyway, um, he is. Uh, you know, he talks about this, and he he did an episode where it's all about. He's grew up in New Jersey and um, and it's about his present day life in New Jersey. But he goes back in time and talks about like what happened to him at 9-11. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of the first episode that was really done about what it's like to be a Muslim kid on 9-11. And, mm-hmm. you know, it shows his dad like out there that day with the American flag, like, hi, neighbors, you know, put this American <laughs> flag up, right, yeah. you know. And, and you know, I, I'm sure it, you know, it's un, unbelievably difficult and the racism and it is one of these things that is still acceptable in the world Mm -hmm. that we live in today to be racist against muslims um and the show i think it's a great show anybody out there i highly Mm -hmm. recommend it it's a great show and it's and it's great because what i think is so interesting about it and i think this is also what i think we learn later what tamerlan's going through is um how hard it is for young men and women to be a Muslim because there's the rules are really strict. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't have sex before marriage, no drinking, no out, al- you know, no um, drugs, mm-hmm. you know, it's a lot. And, and then there's such this, you know, no masturbation. So like every, you know, it's like Rami's like, he's, he's like uh, jerking off and like feeling guilty. And then like, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? It's just, it's such, it's such angst and anxiety.
0: Well, that sounds I, like a lot of other religions, too. But. <laughs> yes, it, it is. It is. But it
1: does. It just but, feels but, so yeah. overwhelming. But it is. Yeah. It's that same kind of like, who am I? And, yeah. you know, what does it mean to be a Muslim? And what does it mean to be connected to my culture? But what does it also mean to be an American and to want to be part of this? And anyway, it's a great. Yeah. Place. Well, in the younger brothers, of art, he was more well-adjusted. Yes.
0: Yes. Um, initially growing up. And their friend talks about this. You know, he was popular. He play he was he he did wrestling or something yeah he was a wrestler yeah he was much much more assimilated into the american Mm -hmm. lifestyle um but it seemed like he at the end there he kind of got corrupted by his brother you know um well
1: and i also think so what i think is really interesting is i think both of them had a moment in time where both of them sort of like had a um a, a big kind of identity crisis. Who am I? What is my life all about moment? Mm -hmm. And they both instead of making, instead of choosing, instead of like finding whatever that inner strength or having someone in their corner to pull them up, they made a different choice. And I think for the older brother, he could not see it or wouldn't Mm -hmm. see it. And I think for the younger brother, I think if there was someone else there besides the older brother, I think he would have made a different choice. And I think that was the problem. Yeah. Their parents went back to Chechnya. Yeah. So I think if for the younger brother, I think if the older brother wasn't around, I think the younger brother would have made a totally different choice. I think the older brother, I think, was determined like n- because i think the trainer and some of the other people in his life maybe the guy from the mosque maybe someone else i think they were trying to talk to him mm-hmm. they were trying to get him to see but because i got the sense from that trainer maybe i don't know i got the sense from the trainer the trainer was trying to tell him like yes this sucks about the olympics mm-hmm. i get it but don't give I up get it, yeah but don't give up there's other options <laughs> you know there's other things yeah so anyway Anyway, so, um, but then we learn this story about two years before the Boston bombing on 9-11-11 mm-hmm. um, in Waltham, Mass. There are three dead bodies. This case is still open. Mm-hmm. Um, and 25-year-old Brandon Mess is found dead. Um, and this is the best friend of Tamberlin. And um, the trainer, John, um Says he sees Tamberlin the next day and he goes, Wow, you know, this is your best friend. I'm so sorry. And he said that Tamberlin was really dismissive. And he says, you know, if you sell drugs and do bad things, this is what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he disappears for a while and he comes back and he's very, very different. So this is then Tamberlin goes to Dagestan that summer, the summer of 2012. And, um, this is when the FBI gets that memo about him seeing jihad on the phone and the Guardian screening. And, um, and then, uh, then this is around the time that they, they then learn about that the white hat is the younger brother. Mm-hmm. And then how do you pr- pronounce the younger brothers? Zokar? Zokar. Cause I the believe. D is silent. Zokar. Yeah. Got it. Okay.
0: So yeah, so Zokar is the younger brother, the white hat. Tamerlin is the older brother, Black Hat.
1: And then that ends the second episode. So it's like now they're searching for Zokar. Like, where is Zokar? Yeah. Because he's out and he's missing. And I think at this point, they're trying to operate on the older brother. I don't know if he was pronounced dead or not. I don't know how he could still be alive after being shot that many times and being run over.
0: Yeah. So after Zokar takes off in the car, then... Where does he I guess uh, okay. Well, they then just find they find okay. they find him later. They find him later on, but Right. I just trying for, to figure out what if he must have like abandoned did, the car close by yeah. and then went back to the neighborhood. Okay, go yeah. on. Just
1: so episode 3 starts with the Soviet Union in 1944. So we get a little bit of history. So back in 1944, Stalin decided that the Chechen nation was going to help uh Nazi Germany so he put them in cattle cars and sent them to this remote region of Central Asia and uh, you know half of them died on the way there and I guess apparently what happened they all went they, they he Stalin just shipped them all out there and said kind of you know fight for me and then ditched them there and said make make a life I, i'm a little and figure it out
0: yeah well it was and i mean they treated these They've been treating these people horribly for, you know, centuries because of their Muslim in an area that's, you know, um, you know, obviously dominated by the Soviet Union and which is not Muslim. So they've, they've, it's a, they've just been oppressed. Mm-hmm. You know, they've just the peep those people have just been treated horribly for a very long time. And I don't know what happened to them. Yeah. They, but they're very resilient. Yes, you they know, are. They have time and time again. You know, rebuilt their lives, tried to, you know, maintain uh, their culture and their people together. I mean, they're incredibly resilient. And um, was it their grandfather was the one who? Yeah, I believe so. It was their grandfather who
1: then was a scrap metal. He was looking for scrap metal, didn't realize what he picked up and he died. Mm
0: -hmm. Their
1: father remained and then he and his wife were able to get asylum. They came here and again back to looking for the american dream and then the you know came to boston tiny apartment and then we get into um uh yeah th- then there's like all these reports reports of a pipe bomb on the t um and this is when they shut down they sh- so they're now looking for um, cuz they know Zokar. who they're yeah they know yeah, they know that, who they're looking for they know he's got to be around yeah. here they know and they and And, um, so they decide, okay, we've got to shut down, we've got to shut down Watertown. We got to just shut it down. Mm -hmm. And they also don't want him leaving the city, obviously. So they were like, we got to shut everything down. And, um, and they've also got, they've got officers from all over and a lot of them, we're not asked not to be there. <laughs> to be there. Yes, many, many, many of them coming yes. from New Hampshire, other states, not asked to be there at all. Yeah, that there. was that was amazing. Just mm.
0: yeah, all just the descent. I mean, there were thousands, tens yes. of thousands, yes, of of all different types of law enforcement just roaming the streets. Yeah. yeah. Nobody, Nobody asked no, them to be there. There's no control, no direction. Who no, I don't know who's in charge. Yeah.
1: It yeah. it was it was unreal. unreal. So, um, and then they find, they find the brother's apartment in Cambridge. They find a bunch of bomb-making paraphernalia. Um, Tamerlan is married to this woman, Catherine Russell, the most white name. I know. So she is a practicing Muslim. She is not cooperative. She does Mm. not get charged, but basically she has no remorse or sympathy. She's not going to help the U.S. government at all. So that's that. Um, and, you know, they, I guess they release the name of the bombers. Um, and to the parents, I guess they find the parents back in Dagestan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we start to meet some of the people that knew the boys and especially the younger one. I think mm-hmm. everyone's so shocked because he was such a charismatic kid. And so we learn a little bit more about Zokar and, um the parents i guess the parents while they were here they eventually got divorced um so i guess for zokar it was sort of this perfect storm right he was this charismatic kid in high school his parents get divorced yeah Yeah. so he's he's uh his parents get divorced they both go back to dagestan separately he's um He's left here. He goes to UMass Dartmouth, which is way far south of Massachusetts, you know, way down. And um, so all of this happens right when he enters college. And it's such a vulnerable time for you. Like, I, I do think, I mean, I'm sure his parents were having a hard time, but I mean, they, they could have stayed. I mean, one of them could have stayed of them, here yeah. for another year or two until he kind of got situated, but okay. And then, Um, then he became really, um, he became, I mean, closer to his brother. And it was, what happened was that dad was very controlling and controlling of Tamerlan. And then Tamerlan became super controlling of Zokar. And he told everyone he was doing really well and he was thriving. And in truth, he was failing out of all of his classes and running a drug operation, but Mm. selling weed. I mean, but he was not doing well. Zokar was lost and confused. So, um, they went down to UMass Dartmouth to see if he was there, but he wasn't. But, and and what they did when they went down to UMass and Am- you know UMass Dartmouth, I mean, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of like, come out now, oh, you know. God. I mean, scaring all these poor kids roommates. Yeah. yeah, I mean, unreal.
0: Yeah, didn't they like they told all the students to leave and all the students yeah. are out there crying and they don't know what's going I on. I
1: mean, but they don't even know if he's in there. They think, well, maybe he's there, you know? And it's like, ugh, he's not even there. Now, this is when the stay indoors orders. This is when Obama called and we're like, okay, we got to lift this. Like, okay. this is crazy. Um, This is like the end. Where are the rest of my notes? Oh, I skipped, I skipped a page. That's why. Um, So this is when, at this point... They're kind of like, we have no more leads. We don't know what else to do. We're like, there's, they're, they're there's so many police officers. They're looking at like inside, uh, garbage cans, like every yeah, last going door to crevice. Door. Yeah. Of yeah. everything at looking, looking, looking. And so they all, they're all like, we've, no one's had any sleep. We're going crazy. We're, you know, let's, um, let's just take a break. Let's just take a moment. And then all of a sudden they, they take a break. They get a call from someone in Watertown and they says, you know, I have a boat in my driveway. There's blood all over it and um, it looks like someone's in it. And so the first guy that we meet, the one that was running in the marathon, Billy Evans, he says, huh, well, let me go and check it out. And he's like, I want to, you know, let's quietly approach this. I think maybe this is the guy. Mm-hmm. Um He's like, well, but I don't know what's going on. I don't know if he has a suicide vest. I don't know if he's armed in there. I don't know what's going on. I Mm -hmm. and he's like, but I know if I call, it's gonna be the cavalry, but I don't, but I also don't if he he could also blow up this boat and this house and and everything else. Yeah. And um, so of course, (laughs) he calls the bat for backup, and the (sighs) cavalry comes in, and all of these officers. And again, we don't know, we don't know who shot first. We still don't know who, I I don't even, I don't know. But again, more gunfire, a bunch of people not authorized to be there. There's like 126 rounds of gunfire.
0: It sounded like more than that because they played the video and it, I mean, again, it was just like, just as bad or worse as the first shootout. I I mean, it's insane.
1: I mean, these people, it's
0: Insane. Just, I mean, because the thing is, he didn't, ha- he didn't have a gun. Did he, he didn't have a gun in there. I don't know. Cause I, I think they only had one gun. Yeah. Cause they had between the two and them. a bunch of,
1: cause I don't think they ever got. The, no, they, they never got, got, got the Cambridge second,
0: guy. Yeah. Right. They never got a second gun. They had one gun and that gun jammed and I'm sure they retrieved that at the crimes. That's why they started throwing those pipe bombs at yeah. the police. So So
1: he he had nothing in that. He had nothing in there at all.
0: And not only, I mean, it's a miracle that no, no police got shot. No civilians got shot. And, uh, I mean, they shot Zokar, but he survived somehow. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. Just crazy.
1: Yeah. So, and in, in, a bunch of people that should not be there at all, it was just unreal. Yeah. No, I guess. And you know
0: what, they, when they, they just somebody just heard a gunshot. Mm-hmm. That's all, because they were telling the officers, don't shoot, don't mm-hmm. shoot, stand down, whatever. Mm-hmm. And somebody hears a gunshot, and I don't even think it was from Zokar. I think it was just
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> random. And the minute they hear it, they all just start shooting mm-hmm. randomly. Yeah. Anyway. So they got him out, and they wanted him alive because they wanted him alive because they wanted him to talk, because what they really needed to know was, is there something else gonna right. happen? Part you know, of are, are you Are you yeah. part of something bigger? You know, are, is there gonna because the other thing that we haven't really talked about is that everyone was on edge. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you remember if you were alive at 9-11, you know, you know how that was. Like after 9-11, it was like there were so many threats of, you know, should we cross the bridge? Should we go here? Should we go there? I don't know. You know, that don't you, you, you remember, right? There was always like this fear of like, is there going to be another attack here? Is there going to be another attack there? So that's how everyone was feeling. So they wanted mm-hmm. him to be alive. So they finally got him in custody. It was 101 hours later.
0: Yeah, then they'd use some sort of machine, like a robot machine to approach the boat yeah. and then take, because there was a cover, like a soft cover over the boat. And then take the rip the cover off. And then I guess they descended upon him. And uh yeah, he'd been shot multiple yeah. times.
1: Yeah. So um, and then, you know, all the people are lining up on the streets, they're very emotional. Everyone's chanting USA, USA. Yeah. See, this this part I found, you know, upsetting.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I'm I mean I'm glad I, mean, I know they're happy that the guy was caught or whatever. They again, they still don't know if it's over. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. they just know this guy has been found. And yeah, the chanting of USA and all this other kind of stuff. It's kind of like what does that have to do with anything? Like this is a tragedy. Yeah. It's a tragedy all around. It's a tragedy for these brothers, their family, their parents, yeah. um for everybody for our Mm -hmm. country, for their country, for their... It's a complete tragedy. And celebratory stuff, uh, I didn't like that. Yeah.
1: Well, um, I do want to talk about all this at the end. Um, And then the next day, 420, they did a big tribute for the police at Fenway Park. And then they get, this was very famous, David Ortiz, otherwise known as Big Poppy. Mm Mm-hmm. Makes this big announcement. This is our fucking city. <laughs> <laughs> and so they try to question Zokar. And um, well, after he got out of surgery. <laughs> yeah, after he got out of surgery, they tried to. And then I guess so, apparently, you can question someone without a lawyer f- for how long? Well, without- this again, this is a post 911, um, you know, Patriot
0: Act uh, change to the law mm-hmm. <laughs> where if you're su- suspected of terrorism yeah they can they can question you even if you ask for a lawyer uh they can continue to question you and that's what they did and he was writing he couldn't speak i guess yeah so he was writing notes and he was like lawyer question <laughs> yeah. mark saying i know my rights mm-hmm. um you know basically yeah. telling the fuck off
1: yeah mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Not going to answer any questions. Yeah.
1: And then this was the best where they go to his work. They start like going through his stuff and they found this. um, I don't know if this was the uh, reporter that found this like, that he had this magazine, I think it was Tamberlin that had this magazine, Inspire Magazine, which is like the official magazine of Mm Al-Qaeda, where you can learn, like one of the articles was how to make a bomb in the kitchen of your mom. I was like, (laughs) I was dying. I was like, just thinking about like, what are the, what are the articles in Inspire Magazine? Like, the top, the <laughs> top looks to overthrow your government, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like the best, the best backpacks for, <laughs> you know, bombs, you know, like cute mm. day looks for bomb making.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. And that was one of the things that Ed Davis said. He, he didn't, he didn't buy the fact that, that was floating around everyone saying that these guys made these homemade bombs and mm. he didn't really buy it. Cause he said in order for the bombs to go off you know remotely to detonate remotely and both of them went off perfectly that's not easy to do Mm. you know and Mm. he he seemed to think that they had uh, some kind of help or something or
1: yeah so i mean yeah themselves that seems to be this thing like were they lone wolf extremists i Mm. mean we still don't know right were they lone wolf extremists are they part of something and then there's this weird story of like two weeks later in Orlando, we meet this guy who was interviewed by the FBI, um, who is a friend of Tamberlin's who confessed to killing with Tamberlin, those three men, mm-hmm. way back in Waltham. And um, they, you know, he said the two killed them and Brandon murdered them after he found out that there would be no Olympics. And he did it because... He said, you know, his friend is, you know, he's Jewish friend and he had the American dream and he was rich and he didn't have to work. Um, And, you know, and so that's that's what happened. And um, the reporter the from the Boston Globe did some research and he went to Dagestan he wanted to know like what was going on with Tamerlan like what was happening Mm -hmm. so he went and he met with friends he tried to figure out is there a connection between Tamerlan and actual militants and you know he went he was trying to figure out and there was no connection like no friends no family there was no one that he met that um you know and what he really said was they weren't you know, they weren't born bombers. There, there was right. nothing there that they, you know. Um, yeah, and this reporter,
0: something. yeah, this reporter had a real personal reason for, you know, he, I think wanting to understand the motivation of these brothers, because his father was in one of the planes that hit the Twin Towers on 9-11. Mm-hmm. And I yeah.
1: thought
0: that was, um, you know, I mean, he just he just wanted answers like yeah. answers he would have wanted you know yeah. about who Why? killed who killed yeah. his father yeah um yeah, and, and then very sad just all of this thinking about it anyway
1: um and then on march 4th 2015 i mean you know we obviously know he did it. it wasn't a case of guilty or innocent it was a case of will he get the death penalty or will he spend the rest of his life in prison and March fourth, 2015. Well, they still is- had to prove they still had to convict him. Oh. Okay. I mean, yes. I don't think he
0: entered a plea. Did he? I don't think so. Okay. I kind of doubt it. Maybe he well, did. Because he got- if he if he was gonna enter a plea, it would be in exchange for not getting the death penalty. Mm-hmm. And he he got the death penalty. So there yes. was a trial. They had to they had to prove all of this. Yes. So-
1: and his defense was that he was highly influenced by his brother mm-hmm. and controlled by his brother. And what they, what they really used was all of those videotapes of him, like getting milk, you know, that he very much like it wasn't his brother forcing him to put that backpack down next to those kids that he, Mm -hmm. you know, consciously that himself. And then um, one thing we, we mentioned earlier is when we meet Karen you know, we don't see it at first, but when we zoom out on Karen, we see that she lost her leg Mm -hmm. in the bombing and that her best friend Crystal died Mm -hmm. and um, that she, you know, that she testified and there was an impact statement. And, you know, we see a lot of the other people who lost limbs and the parents and the kids and everyone that was affected. And I mean, I'm with you at the end of this. That's how I felt too. And anytime I watch these documentaries, I always feel horrible because i think i i always think about the parents of the the burners you know of the people that did these crimes where it's not so black and white it's not black hat white hat right it's not one thing or another. these boys were not born bombers either of them were born evil or born of you know wake you know they their, their parents gave you know parents didn't decide that they were going to do any of these things. I think that it is. I think that. And I think this is one thing about life that I think is so hard for us to wrap our heads around, which is why do some people, why are some people able to cope with certain situations and why are some people aren't, Mm -hmm. you know, and everybody is dealt a certain hand in life and it's not fair. There's, it's never going to be fair. And, you know, some people are just able to deal with the cards that they're dealt, you know, much better than other people. And then why are some people and yeah, when you get into these moments in time, these perfect, you know, and, and why, why did, um, why I can't, I remember the younger son's name. Um, boys. Zokar, Zokar, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really one of those things where you look back on that and you think like, God, if one of those parents yeah. or God, if he had maybe went to a different college and had a different roommate or, or some other circumstance, or if that the brother got busy doing something else, like, just one small two, like not small, but like some yeah. little detail, like the brother decided to stay in Chechnya. Or, you know what I mean? But I thought that would be so different. Cause I think that the brother, I think the brother, the younger brother could have gotten on a very different path.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think what it all comes down to. So, you know, our brains are all different. You know, we're people are not born bad, but we're born with different brains, I think. And then, then, you pile on top of trauma mm-hmm. and this is all it, it's, it's just a buildup of trauma. And I know from like talking to lawyers, I know who do death penalty cases, you know, when they do a report um, it's called a mitigation report to, mm-hmm. you know, inform the court of, you know, why this person shouldn't be sentenced to death. And it's all full of every. Single tragedy and bad thing that happened to them every injury they ever had and what comes out is you know so many people have you know injuries brain injuries brain damage mm-hmm. it could come from like all different kinds of forms of ab- of abuse malnourishment I mean mm-hmm. these are refugees we d- just being a refugee yeah it's a huge trauma we mm-hmm. don't know what they went through in Chechnya or, mm-hmm. and and trauma and that kind of stuff is passed down through the mm-hmm. generations and so these two brothers are at the end of uh you know hundreds of years <laughs> of trauma you know just all kind of settles in these in these yeah. boys and then everything that happened to them they come here you know uh in the wake of 9-11 whatever and just in a if you really sit down and think about their lives and everything, it's in an unimaginable amount of trauma. Mm -hmm. And I just think that, you know, when you get to that level, it's not like, oh, I had a, you know, I didn't make the Olympic team. So it's not, it wasn't just that.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Think about everything that he and his family and his ancestors had been through before he found out he couldn't go to the Olympics. That just gave him something to hang his hat on. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why I think it's just so sad. And I realized the city of Boston was traumatized. All these victims were traumatized. But I don't think we should celebrate, like, you know, we're not comparing traumas or, mm-hmm. you know, one thing shouldn't be more important than the other. Wh- the, what happened to these uh, boys and young men was just as traumatic as, as the bombing. Yeah.
1: What I think is interesting is both, you know, Kevin and Karen, what's their last name again? McWaters. They had said that he didn't, you know, Zokar didn't have any remorse that he looked cocky. He would stare straight at mm-hmm. you. And, and I don't know. I, I thought that was so interesting because I, in my mind, I still, I have a hard time believing that this, and and maybe I'm a fool. Maybe, you know, listen, I believed Casey Anthony. So maybe <laughs> I'm a fool. Me too. But I, in my heart, I just feel like, I think that's what he needs to do to kind of survive. Yeah. I feel like he has sure. to pretend, I think he kind of has to pretend like, um, I had a reason for doing this in order to justify doing it do you know mm-hmm. what i mean i kind of feel like he has to put on airs and he has to be cocky and mean yeah, and rude compartmentalized and, yeah i think yeah. he kind of i think you know the, the whole thing of like him flipping off or maybe he was flipping off boston or matt i was like i don't think this got anything to do with boston or Kay-, like mm-hmm. i don't think it's got anything to do with any of that i think he's just the same way um karen and kevin have to hate him right <laughs> have to make him evil in order yeah. to kind of to get through your day. Right. Y- you know, I think he has to, um, he has to, uh, you know, he has to um, be cocky and see himself as a, you know, as some kind of, I don't know, like representative of whatever, what- whatever, whatever the, his, his motivation cause. was, yeah. whatever the cause right. was that made him right. put that backpack down.
0: Yeah. It, very complex and so it is it's not it's not just like you know yeah it's very complex it's not so simple so you know oh god yeah all around I know all around just a a tragedy but an excellent documentary yes it was highly recommend excellent Excellent. and yeah very well done and um yeah it'll take you back to all that and with some you know perspective and so yeah, Zokar
1: is still on death row. Yeah, and where is he being held? Like some super, yeah, it, some and federal does he get prison to, somewhere. And I, I would assume, right? He's probably spending like twenty three hours a day. Oh yeah, in like I'm sure in solitary. He confined. probably has like no friends and no nothing. I mean, it's just a yeah. really sad. And I mean, I know people are probably thinking like, why do you feel bad for him? But it's like a real crap existence. I mean, it's just real. I mean, it's just, and then he's just going to die. Like, this is, it's just, it just all sucks. It just all sucks. Yeah. No, the whole, it all
0: sucks. The whole thing is, you know, it's a tragedy. Yeah. Anyway, on that note. Well,
1: on that note, why don't you follow us on Instagram? <laughs> yes. Yes. If you uh if you, you want know, to, something uh, a little bit lighter, yeah,
0: please follow us on Instagram at yes. uh, psych legal Pop. And on TikTok, we are Psych Legal Pop yes. Podcast. And um also if you enjoy our podcast, if you could uh, leave us a star rating and review on um Apple Podcasts, that would be great. We'd appreciate that. And subscribe. Oh, yes. Forgot. (laughs) Most important thing. Just subscribe. Hit the subscribe button so that the episodes will automatically be downloaded. And tell a friend. You won't have to think about it. Tell your friends. Um, If you have any ideas for documentaries or um, things you want us to cover, let us know. We did. Someone had sent us a message about the Teal Swan. Yes. 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 Documentary. Which yes, I don't really, do that. Yeah, I, I remember when that came out. I, it's um, on Hulu. OK, we should do that. So, yeah, well, we will do that since um, we're now looking for content for our Thursday show. Now, this was blind is over. So looking forward to that. And yeah, give us some more ideas. OK, OK. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Bye.